Hello and welcome back to We Turned Out Fine. We turned out fine. This episode is going to be just me, Lydia, here today, and I'm going to be reading to you um, a translation that I did of an essay by the Spanish author Miguel de Unamuno. And the reason that this episode is going to be a little different and just me doing that today is because we had a plan for an episode to come up this weekend. But unfortunately, some of the audio files for that episode somehow disappeared, so we might have to re-record that. But we wanted to make sure that we had something coming out this weekend for you guys to listen to. And I do hope that you guys will enjoy um, this translation that I wrote. I'll also be reading the original Spanish um, after my English translation for anyone who would like to really appreciate the beauty of it in the original Spanish. But um, this essay is called Mi Religión, um, or My Religion. And I do want to reiterate, or, or rather note, just to make clear if, if there was any confusion in the episodes that we've released so far, this podcast is not a Christian podcast. Um, it is a podcast where discussions will be centered around the intersections of things like politics as well as spirituality and religion and uh, things like feminism and mental health and health in general. But we do want to make clear this podcast is not necessarily coming from a strictly sort of Christian perspective. In fact, that's the opposite of what we'd like to do. We'd really like to explore things, looking at things from many different perspectives, and also sort of taking a a very uh, critiquing look at some of the things that, you know, at least for myself and Naomi growing up, coming from Christian perspectives. So kind of just... uh, taking new angles on that, but also introducing all kinds of other perspectives. And so this essay in particular, Miguel de Unamuno, growing up in in Spain at that time, he was part of the Generación de 98, so the generation of 98, uh, 1898 that is. So Spain being very, very still traditionalistic at that time, you know, everything around him was, you know, pretty much Catholic. And so he is coming from that sort of perspective, but you'll hear in the essay that, um, that he himself was one of the the first really thought leaders in putting really critical questions to to what people are expected to believe when it comes to religion and the way that they're expected to speak about it. And so I really hope that you guys enjoy uh, this translation, this reading of my translation of Mi Religión by Miguel de Unamuno. Hey y'all, real quick, I would like to take this opportunity to shout out a a podcast that um, just started and is created by a fellow veteran friend of mine. Uh, Her name is Dara, and I just found out that she just started a podcast as well, so I wanted to shout her podcast out real quick and and definitely support my veteran friends, my female friends. And so her podcast is called Strong Black Coffee, and um, even just the first episode I listened to, she's discussing with another black girl. They're talking about, you know, really their experience and um, their natural hair journeys, and then Dara also talks a bit about her experience um, being a woman in the military and being a black woman in the military, and I do just want to take this opportunity, you know, spotlight her and her podcast and what she's doing, not only as a veteran, but as a black woman, and it's Black History Month, and, um, and I'm understanding that 
you know, the, the, the role that I need to step into as a, as a white woman and as a feminist who's trying to bring about equality is to really um, see where there are opportunities for me to actually take a step back and lift up someone else's voice and someone else's experience. And so I want to take the time to do that and to encourage everyone to go check out Strong Black Coffee and give a listen to their episode because I learned so much. And I feel like that's something that we really need to do as other human beings is seek out people's stories and seek out content and media that allows us to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, to hear someone else's story when someone's perspective is different from ours. But the way that we can grow and learn to be able to treat each other and our our other fellow humans better is to listen to other people's stories and try to find ways to relate to people's experiences when they're very different from ours. So all that to say, please go check out Strong Black Coffee. Give Dara's podcast a listen. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And definitely go leave her a review. Give her some love on her social media. Get involved in discussions over there. Share it with your friends if you like it. Once again, Strong Black Coffee, available on Apple Podcasts and all of your other streaming platforms. My Religion by Miguel de Unamuno. A friend from Chile wrote me and told me that he had met there with some people who mentioned my writings, and they asked him, Okay, in short, what is the religion of this Mr. Unamuno? A similar question has led me here several times, and I'm going to try not to answer it, something which I don't intend to do, but to see if I can raise a better sense of the meaning of that question. Both individuals and peoples of lazy spirit and spiritual sloth fits with fruitful activities of economic orders and similar orders tend towards dogmatism, whether they know it or not, like it or not, intentionally or unintentionally. The attitude of spiritual laziness flees the critical or skeptical position. I say skeptical, taking the skeptical voice in its etymological and philosophical sense because skeptic does not mean doubter, but one who investigates or gleans as opposed to affirming and believing whatever they have found. It's the difference between one who searches out a problem and one who gives us a formula, rightly or not, as the solution. In the order of pure philosophical speculation, there is a precipitation of asking for definitive solutions provided it's always made to advance the approach to a problem. When you mess up a long calculation, erasing what's done and starting again means no little progress. When a house is threatened by ruin or is completely uninhabitable, the next step is to demolish, not to order another one to be built over it. Fittingly, yes, the new one could be built with materials from the old, but that is destroying it before it is created. In the meantime, the occupants could shelter in a barracks if they have no other home or sleep in a shallow field. I don't really know what that bit's about. (laughs) And it's necessary not to lose sight of practicing this in our own life. Seldom do we ever receive definitive scientific solutions. Men have lived and currently live on dubious hypotheses and explanations and even without them altogether. When punishing a criminal, society does not argue about whether he had free will or not, just as when sneezing, One does not reflect on the damage that this small obstacle could do that caused him to sneeze in the first place. To the men who argue that not believing in the eternal punishment of hell would be bad, 
With all due respect to them, I say they are wrong. If people were to stop believing in punishment and life after death, they wouldn't be worse, but society would then seek another justification for ideal behavior. The person who is good, while believing in some sort of transcendental order, is not good because he believes in it, he believes because he is good. A proposition which will appear obscure and convoluted, I'm sure, to those spiritually lazy inquisitors. And so, if I am asked, what is your religion? I will respond, my religion is to seek the truth in life and the life in truth even while knowing that I will not find them while alive. My religion is fighting incessantly and untiringly with the unknown. My religion is to wrestle with God from the break of dawn until nightfall, as they say he wrestled with Jacob. I cannot compromise with the concept of that which is unrecognizable or unknowable, as the pittance write, nor with the idea of, here you shall go but no further. I reject the eternal ignorabimus, and in every case, I want to reach the inaccessible. Be perfect, as your Father who is in heaven is perfect, the Christ said to us. And such an ideal of perfection is undoubtedly unavailable, but he gave us the unattainable as a goal for our efforts, and it happened, as the theologians say, by grace. And I want to fight my fight without caring about the victory. Are there not armies and even peoples that go to a sure defeat? Do we not praise those who will allow themselves to be killed fighting before ever giving up? This, then, is my religion. To those who direct this question to me, they want me to give them a dogma, a solution in which they can rest in their spiritual laziness. And even this they don't really want, but they only seek to be able to pigeonhole me and put me into one of their slots into which they can categorize spiritualities, saying of me, oh, he's a Lutheran, he's a Calvinist, he's a Catholic, he's an atheist, he's a rationalist, he's a mysticist or any other of these terms whose exact sense is actually unclear to them, but exempts them from thinking more. And I refuse to let myself be pigeonholed because I, Miguel de Unamuno, like any other man who aspires to full consciousness, am a unique species. There are no illnesses, but only those who are ill, some doctors say. And I say, there are no opinions, but only opinionated people. As far as religion is concerned, there is hardly anything that I have rationally resolved, and as I don't have it, I can't communicate it logically, because it is only logically and rationally transmissible. It's true that I have, with affection, with heart, with feeling, a strong tendency towards Christianity without sticking to special dogmas of this or that Christian denomination. I consider anyone a Christian who invokes the name of Christ with love and respect and I loathe the Orthodox, be they Catholic or Protestant. The latter are usually just as uncompromising as the former, who deny those Christians that don't interpret the gospel as they do. For instance, I know Protestant Christians who deny that Unitarians are Christians. I confess sincerely that the supposed rational evidence, ontological, cosmological, ethical, etc., of the existence of God doesn't show me anything. So many of the reasons they want to give me of the existence of God seem to me to be based in fallacies and petitions of principle. In this, I am with Kant. 
It's unfortunate, but I feel that when I speak of this, I can't speak with the shoe cobbler in cobbler's terms. No one has succeeded to convince me rationally of the existence of God, but neither of his non-existence. The reasonings of the atheists seem to me to be of a superficiality and futility even greater than their opponents. And if I believe in God, or at least I want to believe in him, it is, before anything, because I want God to exist, and then, because it has been revealed to me through friendship in the gospel and through Christ and from his story, it is a matter of heart. That is to say, I am not as convinced of it as I am of the fact that two and two makes four. If it was a matter of something that didn't affect my peace of mind and my consolation having been born, perhaps I would not care about the problem. But, as it is in every aspect of my inner life and the spring of my every action, I cannot resign myself to say, neither do I know, nor can I know. I do know, it is true, maybe one can never know, but I want to know. I want it, and that's enough. I will pass through life, fighting with mystery, even without hoping to penetrate it, because that fight is my nourishment and my consolation, yes, my consolation. I have been accustomed to finding hope in desperation itself. And you fools and fakes don't shout paradox. I can't conceive a cultivated person without this preoccupation, and I expect very little in the order of culture, and being cultured is not the same as being civilized, of those who go through life disinterested in the metaphysical aspect of this religious problem and only study it in its social and political aspect. I expect very little in the way of enrichment of the spiritual treasure of humanity from those men or people that, because of mental laziness, or superficiality, or scientism, or whatever the reason, turn away from the great and eternal concerns of the heart. I have no hope for those who say, don't think about that. If, I pos if possible, I have even less hope, however, for those who believe in a heaven and a hell like we believed as children, and still less from those who claim with the seriousness of a fool, all these are but fables and myths, when we die we are buried and that's it. I only hope in those that are ignorant, but that are not resigned to ignorance, in those that fight without rest for the truth and put their life into the fight itself rather than the victory. And most of my work has been always to concern my neighbors, to remove the sediment from their hearts, to distress them if I can. What I said in my Life of Don Quixote and Sancho is the most extensive confession of mine in this respect. Let them seek as I seek, let them fight as I fight, and hopefully, between all of us, we can glean some secret knowledge from God and at least this struggle will make us better people, people of more spirit. For this work, religious work, I found it necessary in these countries such as this country of Castilian tongue, where the people are rotted away with laziness and superficiality of spirit, dormant in the routine of Catholic dogmatism or free thinking or scientific dogmatism, I've sometimes had to seem shameless and indecorous, or other times hard and aggressive, more than a few times convoluted and paradoxical. In our diminished literature, rarely can anyone be heard shouting from the bottom of their heart, broken down, crying. This kind of cry was almost unheard of. Writers were afraid to be ridiculed. 
It happened to them, and it still happens to them, as it happens to many who put up with an affront in public for fear of being ridiculed, for being seen with their hat on the ground, or being arrested by a policeman. Not me. When I have felt the need to cry out, I cried out. Decorum has never stopped me. This is one of the things least excused of me by my fellow writers, my partners of the pen. So restrained, so correct, so disciplined, even when they preach impriety and rebellion. The literary anarchists care more than anything for style and syntax. And when they are out of tune, they do it carefully in tune. They pull their discordant notes chaotically into harmony. When I have felt pain, I have cried out, and even in public. The psalms featured in my volume of poems are nothing more than the cries of my heart with which I have sought to vibrate the heartstrings of others. If they have no heartstrings, or if they do, but the heartstrings are too rigid to pluck, then my cries will not resonate within them, and they will declare, this is not poetry, and will put it to an acoustical examination. One can also acoustically examine the cry that pierces a man when he sees his child suddenly fall down dead, and for that he has neither heart nor children. That's all it is. These psalms of my poems, with other various compositions that are there, are my religion. My religion sung from my heart, not expressed logically and reasonably, and I sing it, for better or for worse, with the voice and the ear that God gave me, because I can't rationalize it. And he that sees the reasoning and the logic and the method and exegesis more than the life in these my verses, because they don't contain fawns, dryads, satyrs, water lilies, absinths, glaucous eyes, or other more or less modernist ornaments of bad taste, those can stay there with him. I won't touch his heart, not with a violin bow, nor with a hammer. To reiterate, what I avoid like the plague are those who would classify me, and I want to die hearing the spirit idlers who sometimes stop to listen to me ask, and this man, what is he? Liberal and progressive fools will call me a reactionary, or perhaps a mystic, without knowing, of course, what either of those mean, and conservative and reactionary fools will call me a unique species of spiritual anarchist, and both of them will think I am a poor, eager gentleman who is trying desperately to pass for original, but whose head is actually a madhouse. But nobody should care for what they think of him, the progressives or the conservatives, the liberals or the reactionaries. And as man is stubborn and does not usually want to learn and become accustomed even after he has been preached to for four hours, he usually returns back to his old ways. The persistent questioners, if they read this, will turn the question right back to me again with, great, but what solutions do you bring? And I, to conclude, will tell them that if they want a solution, go to the store across the street because I do not sell such an item. My endeavor has been, is, and will be, that those who read me will think and ponder on fundamental things. It has never been to give them ready-made answers. I have sought to always stir and, at most, suggest, rather than to instruct. If I sell bread, it's not bread, but yeast or leaven. There are friends, and good friends, who advise me to leave this work and to vote myself to what they call an objective work. Something that is, they say, definitive, building something, something lasting. They mean something dogmatic. I declare myself incapable and reclaim my freedom, my holy freedom, even to contradict myself if it comes to that. I do not know if something of what I've done or something I do henceforth 
will endure through the years or through the centuries after I die. But I know that if you strike the boundless sea, waves will go round endlessly, although they'll eventually become weaker and weaker. To agitate is something. If, thanks to this agitation, another comes after me that does something that is lasting, my work will last through it. It is the work of supreme mercy to awaken the sleeping and shake the dead. And it is the work of supreme religious piety to seek the truth in all things. My good friend the Chilean knows how to answer those that ask him about my religion. However, if they are one of the fools who believe that I hold a grudge against people of a country when I have sung the truth to its thoughtless children, the best that can be done is not to answer them. are switching over to Spanish beginning now. Bienvenidos amigos y ahorita el español original. Mi religión de Miguel de Unamuno. Me escribe un amigo desde Chile diciéndome que se ha encontrado allí con algunos que refiriéndose a mis escritos le han dicho. Y bien, en resumidas cuentas, ¿cuál es la religión de este señor Unamuno? Pregunto análoga se me ha dirigido aquí varias veces. Y voy a ver si consigo no contestarla, cosa que no yo pretendo, sino plantear algo mejor el sentido de la tal pregunta. Tanto los individuos como los pueblos de espíritu perezoso y cabe pereza espiritual con muy fecundas actividades de orden económico y de otros órdenes análogos, Propenden al dogmatismo. Sépanlo o no lo sepan, quieranlo o no, propondi oh, <ríe> proponiéndose o sin proponérselo. La pereza espiritual huye de la posición crítica o escéptica. Escéptica, digo, pero tomando la voz, escepticismo en su sentido etimológico y filosófico. Porque esquético no quiere decir el que duda, sino el que investiga o rebusca por oposición al que afirma y cree haber hallado. Hay que quien escudrina un problema y hay quien nos da una fórmula acertada o no como solución de él. En el orden de la pura especulación filosófica, es una precipitación el pedirle a unos soluciones dadas siempre que haya hecho adelantar el planteamiento de un problema. Cuando se lleva mal un largo cálculo, el borrar lo hecho y empezar de nuevo significa un no pequeño progreso. Cuando una casa amenaza ruina o se hace completamente inhabitable, lo que procede es derribarla, y no hay que pedir se edifique otra sobre ella. Cabe si sí, edificar la nueva con materiales de la vieja, pero es derribando en antes esta. Entretanto, puede la gente albergarse en una baraca si no tiene otra casa o or dormir a campo raso. Y es preciso no perder la vista que, para la práctica de nuestra vida, rara vez tenemos que esperar a las soluciones científicas definitivas. Los hombres han vivido y viven sobre hipótesis y explicaciones muy deleznables. Y aún sin ellas, 
Para castigar al delincuente, no se pusieron de acuerdo sobre si éste tenía o no libre albedrío. Como para estornudar, no reflexiona uno sobre el daño que puede hacerle el pequeño obstáculo en la garganta que le obliga al estornudo. Los obras que sostienen de no creer en el castigo eterno del infierno serían malos, creo, en honor de ellos, que se equivocan. Si dejaran, si dejaran de creer en una sanción de ultratumbas, no por eso se harían peores, sino que entonces buscarían otra justificación ideal a su conducta. El que siendo bueno cree en un orden trascendente no tanto es bueno por creer en él cuanto que cree en él por ser bueno. Proposición está que habrá de parecer oscura o enrevesada. Estoy de ello cierto a los preguntores de espíritu perezoso. Y bien, se me dirá, ¿cuál es tu religión? Y yo responderé, mi religión es buscar la verdad en la vida y la vida en la verdad, aun a sabiendas de que no he de encontrarlas mientras viva. Mi religión es luchar incesante y incansablemente con el misterio. Mi religión es luchar con Dios desde el romper del alba hasta el caer de la noche, como dicen que con él luchó Jacob. No puedo transigir con aquello del inconocible o inconocible, como escriben los pedantes, ni con aquello otro de, de aquí no pasarás. Rechazo el eterno ignorabemos, y en todo caso quiero trepar a lo inexacible. Sed perfectos como vuestro Padre que está en los cielos es perfecto. Nos dije el Cristo que semejante idea de perfección es, sin duda, inasequible. Pero no los puso lo ina inasequible como meta y término de nuestros esfuerzos. Y ello ocurrió, dicen los teólogos, con la gracia. Y yo quiero pelear mi pelea sin cuidarme de la victoria. ¿No hay ejércitos y aún pueblos que van a una derrota segura? ¿No elogiamos a los que dejaron matar peleando antes que rendirse? Pues está mi religión. Esos, los que me dirigen esa pregunta, quieren que les dé un, un dogma, una solución en que puede descansar el espíritu en su pereza. Y ni esto quieren, sino que buscar poder encasillarme y meterme en uno de los cuadriculados en que colocan a los espíritus, diciendo de mí, es luterano, es calvinista, es católico, es ateo, es racionalista, es místico, o cualquier otro de estos motes, cuyo sentido claro desconocen, pero que les dispensa de pensar más. Y yo no quiero dejarme encasillar, porque yo, Miguel de Unomuno, como cualquier otro hombre que aspire a conciencia plena, soy una especie única. No hay enfermedades, sino enfermos, suelen decir algunos médicos, y yo digo que no hay opiniones sin opinantes. En el orden religioso, apenas hay cosa alguna que tenga racionalmente resuelta. Y como no la tengo, no puedo comunicarla lógicamente, porque solo es lógica y transmisible lo racional. 
Tengo, sí, con el afecto, con el corazón, con el sentimiento, una fuerte tendencia al cristianismo sin atenerme a dogmas especiales de esta. Considero cristiano a todo el que invoca con respeto y amor el nombre de Cristo y me repugnan los ortodoxos, sean católicos o protestantes. Estos suelen ser tan intransigentes como aquellos que niegan cristianismo a quienes no interpretan el evangelio como ellos. Cristiano protestante conozco que niega el que los unitarios sean cristianos. Confieso sinceramente que las supuestas pruebas racionales, la ontológica, la cosmológica, la ética, etc., de la existencia de Dios no me demuestran nada. Que cuántas razones que quieren dar de que existe un Dios me parecen razones basadas en paralogismos y peticiones de principio. En esto estoy con Kant. Y siento, al tratar de esto, no poder hablar a los zapateros en términos zapatería. Nadie ha logrado convencerme racionalmente de la existencia de Dios, de Dios, pero tampoco de su no existencia. Los razonamientos de los ateos me parecen de una superficialidad y futileza mayores aún que los de sus contradictores. Y si creo en Dios, o por lo menos creo creer en él, es ante, ante todo porque quiero que Dios exista y después porque se me, re, me revela por vía cordial en el evangelio y a través de Cristo y de la historia. Es cosa de corazón, lo cual quiere decir que no estoy convencido de ello como lo estoy de que dos y dos hacen cuatro. Si se tratara de algo en que no me fuera la paz de la conciencia y el consuelo de haber nacido, no me cuidaría acaso del problema, pero como en él me va mi vida todo interior y el resorte de toda mi acción no puedo aquietarme con decir, ni sé, ni puedo saber, no sé, cierto es, tal vez no puede saber nunca, pero quiero saber, lo quiero. Y basta. Y me pasaré la vida luchando con el misterio. Y me pasaré la vida luchando con el misterio. Y aún sin esperanza de penetrarlo. Porque esa lucha es mi alimento. Y es mi consuelo. Sí, mi consuelo. Me he acostumbrado a sacar esperanza de la desesperación misma. Y no griten paradoja los mentecatos o los, y los superficiales. No concibo a un hombre culto sin esta preocupación y espero muy poca cosa en el orden de la cultura y cultura no es lo mismo que civilización de aquellos que viven desinteresados del problema religioso en su aspecto metafísico y solo lo que estudian en su aspecto social o político. Espero muy poco para el enriquecimiento del tesoro espiritual del género humano de aquellos hombres o de aquellos pueblos que por pereza mental, por superficialidad, por cientificismo o por lo que sea, se apartan de las grandes y eternas inquietudes del corazón. No espero nada de los que dicen, no se debe pensar en eso. Espero menos aún de los que creen en un cielo y un infierno como aquel en, en que creemos de niños. 
y espero todavía menos de los que afirman con la gravedad del necio, todo eso no son sino fábulas y mitos. Al que se muere, lo entierran y se acabó. Solo espero de los que ignoran, pero no se resignan a ignorar. De los que luchan sin descanso por la verdad y ponen su vida en la lucha misma más que la en la victoria. Y lo más de mi labor ha sido siempre inquietar a, los, a mis prójimos, removerles el pozo del corazón, angustiarlos si puedo. Lo dije ya en mi vida de Don Quijote y Sancho, que es mi más extensa confesión a este respecto. Que busquen ellos como yo busco, que luchen como lucho yo, y entre todos algún pelo de secreto arrancaremos a Dios. Y por lo menos esa lucha nos hará más hombres, hombres de más espíritu. Para esta obra, obra religiosa, me ha sido menester en pueblos como estos pueblos de lengua castellana, carcomidos de pereza y de superficialidad de espíritu, adormecidos en la rutina del dogmatismo católico o del dogmatismo libre pensador o cientifista, me ha sido preciso aparecer unas veces impúdico y indecoroso, otras duro y agresivo, no pocas enrevesado y paradójico. En nuestra menguada liter literatura apenas se le oía a nadie gritar desde el fondo del corazón, descomponerse, clamar. El grito era casi desconocido. Los escritores temían ponerse en ridículo. Les pasaba y les pasa lo que a muchos que soportan en medio de la calle a una afrenta por temor al ridículo de verse con el sombrero por el suelo y presos por el polizonte. Yo no. Cuando he sentido ganas de gritar, he gritado. Jamás me ha detenido del decoro. Y esta es una de las cosas que menos me perdonan estos mis compañeros de pluma, tan comedidos, tan correctos, tan, tan disciplinados, hasta cuando predican la incorrección y in la indisciplina. Los anarquistas literarios se cuidan más que de otra cosa, de la estilística y de la sintaxis. Y cuando desentonan lo hacen entonadamente, sus desacordes tiran a ser armónicos. Cuando he sentido un dolor, he gritado, y he gritado en público. Los salmos que figuran en mi volumen de poesías no son más que gritos del mi corazón, con los cuales he buscado hacer vibrar las cuerdas dolorosas de los corazones de los demás. Si no tienen esas cuerdas o si las tienen tan rígidas que no vibran, mi grito no resonará en ellas. Y declararán que eso no es poesía, poniéndose a examinarlo acústicamente. También se puede estudiar acústicamente el grito de lanza a un hombre cuando ve caer muerto de repente a su hijo. Y el que no tenga ni corazón ni hijos se queda en eso. Esos salmos de mis poesías, con otras varias composiciones que allí hay, son mi religión, y mi religión cantada, y no expuesta lógicamente y razonadamente. Y la canto, mejor o peor, con la voz y el oído de que Dios me ha dado, porque no la puedo razonar. Y el que ve raciocinios y lógica y método y exégesis 
más que vida en esos mis versos, porque no en ellos faunos, dríades, silvanos, nenúfares, absintios, o sea, ingenuos, ojos glaucos y otri, otras garambainas más o menos modernistas, allá se quede con lo suyo. Que, voy, que no voy a tocarle el corazón con arques de violín ni con martillo. De lo que huyo, repito, como de la peste, es de que me clasifiquen. Y quiero morirme oyendo preguntar de mí a los holgazanes de espíritu que se paren alguna vez a oírme. ¿Y este señor qué es? Los liberales o progresistas tontos me tendrán por reaccionario y acaso por místico, sin saber, por supuesto, lo que éste quiere decir, y los conservadores y reaccionarios tontos me tendrán por una especie de anarquista espiritual y unos otros por un pobre señor afana, afanoso de singularizarse y de pasar por original, original y cuya cabeza es una olla de grillos. Pero nadie debe cuidarse de lo que piensen de él, los tontos, en progresistas o conservadores, liberales o reaccionarios. Y como el hombre es terco y no suele querer enterarse y acostumbra después que se le ha sermoneado cuatro horas al volver a las andadas, los preguntones, si leen esto, volverán a preguntarme, bueno, ¿Pero qué soluciones traes? Y yo, para concluir, les diré que si quieren soluciones, acudan a la tienda de enfrente porque en la mía no se vende ese majarte artículo. Mi empeño ha sido, es y será que los me lean, piensen y mediten en las cosas fundamentales y no ha sido nunca el de darles pensamientos hechos. Yo he buscado siempre agitar y, a lo sumo, sugerir más que instruir. Si yo vendo pan, no es pan, sino levadura o fermento. Hay amigos y buenos amigos que me aconsejan, me, de me dejé de esta labor y me recoja a hacer lo que llaman una obra objet objetiva, algo que se dice definitivo, algo de construcción, algo duradero. Quieren decir algo dogmático. Me declaro incapaz de ello y reclamo mi libertad, mi santa libertad, hasta la de contradecirme si llega el, el caso. Yo no sé si algo de lo que he hecho o de lo que haga en lo sucesivo habrá de quedar por años o por siglos después que me muera, pero sé que si se da un golpe en el mar sin orillas, las ondas en derredor van sin cesar, aunque debilitándose. Agitar es algo. Si merced a esa agitación, viene detrás otro que haga algo duradero, en ello durará mi obra. Es obra de misericordia suprema despertar al dormido y sasudir el párodo. Y es obra de suprema piedad religiosa buscar la verdad en todo y descubrir donde quiera el dolo, la necedad y la inepcia. Y sabe, pues, mi buen amigo ch el chileno, lo que tiene que contestar a quien le pregunte cuál es mi religión. Ahora bien, si es uno de estos metecatos que creen que guardo o jeriza a un pueblo o una patria cuando le he cantado las verdades a alguno de sus hijos irreflexivos, lo mejor que puede hacer es no contestarles.
Escrito en Salamanca, España, el 6 de noviembre de 1907. was the English translation of My Religion and then the original Spanish of Mi Religion by Miguel de Unamuno. And I do hope that you guys enjoyed this essay. I know it's a bit lengthy um, and quite deep and philosophical, but it just gives me all the nerdgasm and it just makes my soul sore because I, you know when you find a writer who you feel like is from a different generation, but it's like they feel all of your feelings and have all of your thoughts. Unamuno was definitely one of those for me, so I do hope that you all are able to enjoy and appreciate something from that essay. And please also forgive my Spanish tripping over my tongue at times. All right, well, thank you all for listening, especially if you made it to this point. And so uh, we will come back next week with another uh, full-length discussion for you guys, and so you will hear us then. All right, have a great week, and remember, even if stuff gets shitty, it'll all turn out fine. So thanks for listening to We Turned Out Fine. We turned out-